What's up, cyber and crypto friends? You're listening to the Cybersecurity and Cryptocurrency Podcast. I'm your host, Eric English. Today is Thursday, May 9th of 2019. This is episode 71 of our podcast. All of the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely my opinions and do not reflect that of my employer. All right, with all that fun stuff out of the way. uh, Oh, by the way, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CyberCryptoGuy on Twitter at CyberCryptoGuy. So let's get things rolling here. Talk about a crazy week. Binance is probably one of the hot topics right now, probably the hottest topic right now. So we're definitely going to talk about that. Also going to talk about the Bitcoin prices and how we're doing there. Uh, Also going to talk about Ethereum and what they're going to do when they move to proof of stake. On the cybersecurity side, we're going to talk about uh, Freedom Mobile and what happened to them. Also going to talk about some malware that's using a backdoor on Exchange email servers. And last but not least, in cybersecurity, we're going to talk about an executive that hacked a rival uh, competitor's website. So that was kind of interesting as well. Well, let's get to the news of the week. The biggest news of the week. Binance. Wow. If you haven't heard about this, hackers stole $40.7 million in Bitcoin from Binance. This was a highly coordinated attack. They'd compromised numerous accounts and they basically did this all at once. They used every account that they had access to and pulled all those funds. And wow, that's a huge hack. And they're saying these guys did the typical phishing stuff to to get access to these accounts. So that's certainly disappointing to see that. You know, Binance is one of the bigger and probably one of the better cryptocurrencies or crypto exchanges out there. Um, So it is a shame to see that kind of stuff, but it just shows you that nobody is safe from any of this stuff. If a user gives out their password, you know what? There's nothing you can do. They're going to give them access. So phishing is still the number one way to get this stuff. They got numerous accounts. It was a coordinated attack, coordinated uh, withdrawal of all these funds. So, man... 40.7 40.7 million is a bunch of money that they got away with. Uh, Binance's uh, coin, BNB, also dropped a little bit. It's down 8% today because of that news. Uh, Binance coin's still doing pretty good overall, so wasn't that big of a drop. But the biggest, I mean, yes, that's that's a big story there. They lost 41 million bucks almost. So the other really, really crazy thing, the CEO of Binance tweeted out that they're going to push for a rollback of the blockchain. I, I I scratched my head and I was like, how is that even possible? That would completely undermine the entire premise of Bitcoin and blockchain in general. If you can rewind time and undo things, I mean, wh- how is that even possible? And why would anybody allow that? Uh, I don't I don't quite understand that at all. I also don't even know how that would be feasible, how they would even do that, Uh, especially considering all the different mining companies that are out there mining for Bitcoin. How would that affect them? Imagine all the payments that people made for other transactions at other exchanges. 
I mean, just, oh, there's so many ramifications there. And, you know, if somebody made a huge trade and made a whole bunch of money, that would have been reversed. I mean, there's just so many what-if scenarios to think about. But my biggest question was how in the heck would they even be able to roll that back? And and who who told them that they could, this was even a possibility? That's That's the other head scratcher. But apparently that was something that they were considering. And they did come out and say, okay, we're not going to do that anymore. We've been told by our quote-unquote advisors um, that we're not going to roll back the block Bitcoin blockchain. So um, if you don't already follow the CEO on Twitter, it's uh, at CZ underscore Binance. So you can see all these tweets in real time. But he was obviously freaking out about, you know, it's multi-million dollar hack, and that's that's obviously huge for all of the people there. They had to shut down the exchange, which they're losing money now because of that. Um, they basically said they're going to keep it shut down for about a week uh, until they can just, you know, verify that everything's fixed and nobody's still a compromise and all that kind of fun stuff. But, wow, rolling back the blockchain. I, I just, I don't even know... I can't even fathom how that's possible. I mean, that would have to be a coordinated rollback with everybody in the entire world. Uh, yeah, that's that's mind-numbing to think about even that possibility. So I'm glad they decided otherwise, but that sparked a huge, huge debate on Twitter and elsewhere about, you know, the ramifications of that and... You know, why the hell they would even try to do something like that. It's not everybody else's fault that they lost $40 million. So, anyway, certainly certainly scary there to see that. They lost a ton of money. Uh, most of the accounts that were compromised had large sums of money in them. That's why they were compromised, of course. But the good thing for Binance is they had what they call a secure asset fund for users. And they were able to recover that loss of $40 million from that fund. It still hurts. I mean, regardless, um, you know, that's that's just a huge hit for them. But the good thing is those funds will be returned to the people that were hacked. So that makes them look better that they were prepared for it. Uh, but hopefully they implement some other sort of security measures to prevent this from happening again but still it all falls back on the end user if somebody gives away their password and gives away their two-factor i mean what are you gonna do there's nothing you can do so that was definitely the biggest news of the week everybody's been talking about that so as i always go back to this if you have any funds at an exchange you need to take them out of the exchange put them on a local wallet you back up your private keys yourself. You take care of those funds yourself. Don't leave it at the exchange because if you leave it out there and you ignore it or you forget about it and it gets hacked and you don't know about it, say bye-bye to all your money. So don't leave it out there at those exchanges. Binance is one of the better exchanges. Yes, they're going to pay the users back, but the fact that it still happened is the problem. So that should tell everybody don't leave those funds in the exchange. Get yourself a local Bitcoin wallet, put it on your computer, put it on your phone. Whatever it is, just don't store it at the exchange. Also, don't store it on any sort of online wallet system. You know, Coinbase is technically an online wallet system as well. So it's tough because Coinbase has had a pretty good reputation. 
So I guess I would trust them more than an exchange. Coinbase does have exchange uh, stuff as well on their trading platform. So, and some of that trading platform stuff does obviously connect back to their, their wallet platform. But so far they've had a pretty good reputation as far as not getting hacked, at least that we know of. <laughs> so I, I guess I would trust them a little more. But the perfect place to put it is somewhere that you control. Don't leave it in the hands of some third party to make sure that your money is safe. Because you never know what that third party is doing. You never know if they're actually adhering to any of their security policies. You don't know if they have any security policies. You don't know if they have any sort of regulations that they follow themselves. You don't know. I mean, it could be just some online wallet service or some fly-by-night exchange that's, you know, just popped up because they want to make a quick, you know, million bucks or two and then jump out of it. That happens. It happens quite a bit. So don't ever leave those funds at the exchange. Make your trades. Get out. Put it in a local Bitcoin wallet that you control. Always, always, always back up your private keys in case your computer dies where that wallet was on. Uh, back that up to some other sort of storage device, whether it's a thumb drive or whatever, hardware wallets, whatever you want to do. Just take your private keys, make sure that they're stored somewhere. And if anything happens, you know that you can always restore your wallet from those private keys. So either way, this is that's just huge news about Binance. But again, just take your funds out of that exchange, any exchange. If you're in any of them, take it out keep them yourself doesn't matter if it's you know not just bitcoin everything ethereum whatever take it out of the exchange put it in something that you control uh, coinbase does have their custody services and i don't know how all that works unfortunately but i would hope that it has to go through multiple levels before it can even be withdrawn and that from what i understand that is the way it works and it has to have a you know seven day approval process to get those funds back out kind of thing so that could be a better option if you plan on storing these funds for a long time. You might look at doing that. Again, I don't know how that works all that well, but I would assume that they would send those funds through multiple different uh, accounts and multiple different private keys and store those funds in, a, in an account that nobody else has access to with extremely strong private keys and everything's encrypted and all that kind of good stuff so and then to withdraw anything takes a seven day process so even if your account gets compromised at coinbase it would still take seven days to withdraw those funds so anyway that's been definitely the topic of the week there but on to some other stuff here ethereum if you haven't already heard they are moving to proof of stake you have to have a total of 32 Ethereum in order to be staking and to run an Ethereum node. The disappointing thing is that they're saying, as of the prices right now, if you were to do proof of stake right now with Ethereum and you're running an Ethereum node, you would only make 5% profit. So that's, that's not a lot of money. Plus, you have to think about running that node and what that would cost you and you know, if you're running it at AWS, that's going to cost you money. Um, you know, it just kind of depends, right? Depends where you're running it at. So I don't know that that's very enticing for a lot of people. Uh, mining is not profitable right now either. But if the Ethereum price goes up, then yeah, this could be much more profitable. But as of right now, 5% profit. 
So they were saying after you pay all your computing costs and whatnot, you're making like 40 bucks a year or something stupid. I mean, just that's that's not even worth it, really. But anyway, they are moving to that. They still don't have a hard date when they're going to switch to proof of stake. But it is coming up in the near future. So that'll be interesting to see that when that happens. And proof of stake has good environmental repercussions. Um, simply because it's less mining that would have to happen. And you can imagine how many people are mining for Ethereum still. And turning all that off would relieve quite a bit of the strain on the power grid. And so make for a greener, greener environment, not having to use up all that energy. All right, some other stuff here. The actual Bitcoin prices today have been quite nice. We're at $6,100 right now. Higher than it's ever been in the last six months, I would say. So that is great. That is great to see that. The funny thing is, Ethereum, Bitcoin Cash, all the others have not really followed the same trend, the upward trend, as Bitcoin has. So that's that's definitely interesting. Bitcoin went way up. Ethereum's still at 168. Bitcoin Cash is still at about 284. Uh, Ripple's at 29 cents. It actually went down. Um, Stellar Lumens is at 8 cents. It went down. Anyway, Bitcoin's going up, though, so that's good. Um, It's sad to see that the rest aren't following suit. I'm kind of surprised, I guess, but, you know, Bitcoin's the big daddy, and all the trading platforms, you buy Bitcoin to trade for other assets. So I can see why it would be up. But overall, Bitcoin's up. That typically means the rest of the market will follow eventually. So good news for investors out there that are in the crypto space. All right, some other news here. We'll jump over to cybersecurity stuff. So if you live in Canada, you've probably heard of Freedom Mobile. They're a cell phone company. Well, (laughs) come to find out, Freedom Mobile had an Elasticsearch database online that was just wide open. It had 1.5 million customers' information in that database. So uh, your information's been exposed if you use Freedom Mobile for anything. I'm not sure if they're in the U.S. I don't, I don't keep up with that enough. But, you know, they're saying there's stuff about their Equifax uh, credit scores and credit card amounts and all kinds of stuff in this database. So... Freedom came out and said that that number, 1.5 million, is an inaccurate number. They're coming out and saying it was only 15,000. It's a pretty huge discrepancy there. Um, But nonetheless, it's an interesting story to follow if you have their cell service. Some other cybersecurity stuff. There's a new backdoor uh, using Microsoft Exchange email servers, uh, supposedly from Russians. They're calling it Light Neuron. And essentially it's trying to do uh, malware persistence in exchange email servers. So essentially this allows the attackers to execute commands um, via you know malicious emails that have attachments and hidden code and all kinds of other stuff. They say it's been targeting exchange servers since 2014, so that's quite a while here. We're just now hearing about this. Uh, but they're speculating that it's a Russian cyber espionage group called Turla. 
So this is interesting stuff there. They say it's there's a Windows-based version and also a there might be a Linux-based version of this malware as well. So what this light neuron is doing to remain persistent, they're saying here that it leverages transport agents, which according to Microsoft are tools that let users install custom software on exchange servers and then process email messages that pass through the transport pipeline. So I've seen this firsthand in like Office 365, for example. You can go to their, uh, for lack of a better term, it's an app store essentially for Microsoft Exchange. You can add some sort of a plugin via that um, app store and away you go. So it sounds like what these hackers are doing is they've created their own hidden application to remain persistent in these various exchange servers that they have compromised. And you can think about it, if they've compromised somebody's exchange server and they're sending out emails as those people, typically, if it's a legit company, the spam reputation for that company is typically low and a lot of spam filters will let that stuff through. So you can imagine how many phishing attacks they've done that have been extremely successful because of this particular thing and being that if it's sent from a you know a company that's legitimate that doesn't normally spam people it could get right through a spam filter and and they could do other phishing to other people so what they're also doing too is they're running some sort of commands in pdfs and jpeg images using steganography now i haven't heard of anybody using steganography in quite a while but if you're not familiar with steganography, you can basically hide code or another image or another file inside of a picture, for example. So you're sending your friend a picture of your dog. But if they pull the, if they run a steganography tool on it, they would be able to pull the actual message that you're trying to send or the information or the code that you're trying to send through that file. So anyway, that's an interesting one to keep your eye on there. Uh, if you run your own exchange server, that's something you might want to look at. Uh, see if any of those plugins are active in your environment. I know, for example, some of the phishing tools out there that help you uh, legitimately fish your employees to test them. Some of those tools have plugins for Office 365 and regular exchange servers as well. So it'd be good to certainly go through those exchange servers and, and check all those plugins and make sure that you're not affected by something like this. So keep an eye on that if you got exchange servers out there. That could be a, a pretty nasty one. All right, the last thing here in cybersecurity, I thought this was just kind of sad slash funny more than anything, but uh, an executive at a Bay Area school uh, was arrested for hacking into a competitor's website to access student meal preferences. What a weird thing to, to hack into just to get that information. So, <laughs> if you're going to hack into something, wouldn't you want to get something valuable? I guess this guy wanted to know what people like to eat. Uh, I, I have no idea why. Maybe he's... Trying to change up his lunch menu for the school. I have no idea. But the guy was an executive, apparently, of this school. And he was hacking information about school lunch programs. That's just... It makes me laugh. Because that just seems like it's something that 
nobody would give a crap about, but this guy did, apparently. He wasn't very slick or smart in, in his hacking capabilities. Uh, he was not using anything to mask his IP address and all that kind of fun stuff, so they were able to catch him pretty easily, but... <laughs> wow. If you're going to hack something, wouldn't you want to get something worthwhile? Anyway, kind of thought-provoking there. But I'll post all these articles in the show notes. So you've got those. Let's see if I've got anything else here. Oh, there's one more thing about uh, Microsoft. They're debuting what they call their Election Guard uh, software to secure the voting process. So that's kind of in the works now. And apparently they've released, maybe I guess this is their beta release of it. But we'll see if that starts getting used for elections. But certainly interesting there to, to keep note on that. All right, folks. That's all I've got for today. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CyberCryptoGuy. At CyberCryptoGuy on Twitter. Check me out on there. I retweet a bunch of the articles we talk about here on the show. Thanks for listening and have a great day.